Welcome to the Disruptor Series podcast, where we talk to and learn from the people who are disrupting business, culture, and life. I'm your host, Rob Schwartz, CEO of TBWA Day, New York. Hey, thanks for tuning into the uh, Disruptor Series podcast, and we're here with the founder and CEO of Beta Brand, Chris Lindland. Hello, I am Chris Lindland, the founder and CEO of Beta Brand. So, uh, Beta Brand. So, for those who don't know your company, you know, I mean, what is it? It's a clothing company. But let's imagine you invented a uh, taxi sharing company or a video company at the dawn of the internet, and you didn't beholden yourself to the methods by which distribution worked before. Uh, So we started a clothing company where the entire point was to say, let's only behave as if we're an internet entity and not like a regular clothing business. So you're kind of an internet company first and that just happens to make clothes? Yeah, I think it's those are the inspirations. So let's Mm. pretend that we are the people starting the North Face, right? We probably were informed by rock climbing culture. Mm. And our business is informed by internet culture, which is to say, hey, why would you only put out clothing once a season? That doesn't seem like the internet. That seems like four times a year, not four times a minute. And so the whole business was designed to be, how do we create nonstop content related to clothing? Wow. Okay. I love that. So, because I was thinking, you know, as I was coming over here, I was like, okay, does the world need another clothing brand? You kind of answered that question that it's, you're, you're kind of not. You're uh, you're an ideas company in yeah. a way. Yeah. I mean, I think that the, if you just, again, all this stuff is common sense to people in the media business because, you know, it, you know, you have people whose job it is to pay attention to new ways to get messages out. The clothing industry wasn't operating that way. They were just sort of saying, well, what you do is you put on fashion weeks and you go to trade shows and you let other people buy it and then they determine what people want. And uh, our business was set up to be like, no, what if you try to get people's attention all day long and if that attention ultimately drove people to buy stuff, then you could be a big business. What we discovered, which you all know in the ad, ad business, is that there's usually a thousand ideas that ends up being the one ad that a client takes. And amongst your own creatives, some of the favorites are never making it for the world to see. Right. And, you know, I've always, whenever I talk to friends of mine in the ad business, I was like, oh, I, mean, I, I want to be the, ba- the person that can show all the stuff on the cutting room floor because that's the funny stuff. And uh, so clothing, we said the design world is a world of a mountain of ideas that nobody ever gets to see. And what we wanted to do is create great theater around the process of creating ideas. And so our business is designed to publish hypothetical concepts. Mm. And then the ones that really gain traction socially, we immediately make prototypes and start selling them. Wow. Okay. So this is like a, uh, this is like a Vegas buffet of ideas. I, I completely, I, I am like, I started to shrimp and I'm like immediately at the guy carving meat. This is amazing. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and an analogy that I hope you make on every show. <laughs> well, being that this is our first show, I think we maybe will have to do that to some other shows, but no, it's just incredible. So I just want to back up for, yes. for one second on uh, one of the pieces that you were talking about, which is, so it's a retail clothing company, but you also have this crowdfunding platform. So maybe talk a little bit about that. I will. The, the idea there, so again, the concept of crowdfunding makes perfect sense uh, because Kickstarter popularized it. And you've then seen all these offshoots of people saying, well, I mean, if people will pay to wait for, you know, a Pebble watch, they should pay to wait for everything. And in the clothing industry, which is fascinating, is that all these choices that people make for clothing 
are big inventory investments that often go wrong. And the problem with that, and it really hurts clothing businesses because what they do is they make all these guesses of what people want to wear in the fall. And if people only want to wear 20% of them, everything Mm -hmm. else goes on sale. And that really hurts the business. So what we did is we said, we're going to give you the ideas as fast as possible, but we're only going to make the things that people ultimately want. And what that means is we put a new crowdfunding project up every day for an article of clothing. And if we can sell 100, then we'll make them. Mm. If we don't, forget it. Then you only make one. And the beautiful thing is then you're not stuck with the liability of all the extra stuff that people kind of liked. That's amazing. All right. So I I think I want to say early, like this is not some like pipe dream business. Like I read that you made around – 17 to 18 million in revenue in 2015. I mean, this, you, you're making some yeah, 20, money. 27 last year. 27 million last year. Okay, so this is a real business. Oh, yeah, growing. Unbelievable. All right, well, that's, that is really cool. So, I mean, there's so many places to, to take this on. I mean, let, let's maybe let's start a little bit with you because, sure. um, I mean, was this your dream to be a, uh, a clothing genius? <laughs> Uh, the, the, the path that led me here? Uh, well, let's see. It started by applying to get a job at your agency when I graduated from college and, and not really knowing what that meant. So I was the – it seemed like I'd like to be in something like advertising. I just didn't understand like – And you thought maybe I'll just think about this thing called Shia Day? Is yeah, that- no, I, it's like I had heard about your agency and others and I thought like, well, I don't know. I'm – pretty creative. I'll do that. And then I show up and you're like, you know, you do have to have things like a portfolio to get a job in advertising. So that was let like me, a, Let me just stop you here. Yeah. You can have a job now <laughs> if, you're, if you're cool. <laughs> it took that long. Finally, I did it. You know, it was what a the hell are we thinking? Long, well-laid plan. I knew I'd make it here in 20 years. Uh, no, long story short, mm-hmm. the... Uh, so I, st- my first job ended up being uh, in an in internet company. A friend of mine wanted to start an internet brand. And it was a online storage company that predated Dropbox. It was called iDrive. And we were the biggest, you know, house of all illicit files on the internet. I had that that honor for, for about a year. And the cost of that was outrageous. And it, Did you, like, it, work with the Clintons on this at all? Yeah, Hillary, well, yeah, yeah exactly. they, they, were, they were early adopters of the technology. No, the, uh, the, the thing that was funny is that I did that and then I, uh, I, I wrote a couple TV shows and ended up selling some pilots in L.A. and I got to spend a year being a development writer there. Nothing ever made it beyond pilot, but, you know, I spent some time as a creative as well as an Internet person. And I had the odd fortune of dating a woman who worked in fashion. And I was like, hey, how come you never see horizontal corduroy pants? And she probably quickly said that's a stupid idea. And yet I persisted and, and finally found a way to make a pair. And I owned these odd horizontal corduroy pants for about a year. And I just wanted to do something that changed at the time the trajectory of my profession. Mm. I was working as an internet strategy person. Great job. Mm. But I, I kind of felt it was the the more analytical side of things. And I was too silly to just do that alone. <laughs> so so I was like, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to make horizontal corduroy pants. I'm going to put them online. I'm going to create a funny website. And my objective was to just create like a portfolio piece. Honestly, that was that right. was it. I hoped I would succeed at selling them. But, I, you know, I made 200 pair of pants and I made a funny website. Um, but the New York Times covered it probably about three weeks after it went live. Hmm. And, you know, I was like the guy with the at the laptop in the cafe being like, holy crap, look at this. It's like nonstop ordering. 
New Yorker did a story on it, Newsweek, NPR. It just kind of started mushrooming. And all of a sudden, I was like in the clothing business, hmm. the internet clothing business, and no one had really approached it that way. So I then kept coming up with the big dumb idea and turning into a product that everybody wanted to talk about. And then ultimately, investors showed up and said, well, why don't you do this professionally? And I said, no, 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 let's create a platform where anyone with an idea can can you know make this happen, and that's Amazing. what Paperbrand is. Well, I think what's interesting, and again, from our from our point of view uh, around disruption, the convention of pants on corduroys was forever vertical, <laughs> yeah. and your disruption of horizontal, uh, you know, both literally and metaphorically, kind of opened things up. Yeah, funny, uh, odd that that would happen, but it was an, an interesting thing. And true. <laughs> and and I think what's interesting, again, you're, you're living it and, you know, maybe uh, in hindsight you can get, you know, intellectual about it. But your instinct to go horizontal, uh, so to speak, <laughs> this kind of drives the idea. Because the idea is, no, fashion doesn't have to come from 7th Avenue. Fashion, like you say, can come from a guy's brain in a coffee shop with a laptop and an idea. Well, I think fashion for a significant subset of owners of any article of clothing is ultimately experience. Mm. And that's obviously nothing new to people in the ad game because you have to convince people that it's not just water. It's, mm. you know, it's becoming a thinner person. It's becoming a better version of yourself. And the clothing world, there's sort of this literal quality of it. It's black. It fits well. And off you go. And I think the thing that's interesting is that that's what a clothing engineer would come up with, which is what most fashion designers are. They're mm. not the people that are imagining then what it's like to experience owning something. And that's what I'm all about. So I, I'm the person who can say, well, they're horizontal corduroy pants. Well, they're also really aerodynamic. And they'll also lower your crotch heat index and they'll also make no noise. So it creates all these like talking points for a person. And I found that the people who are great at creating those talking points are the people who are just out doing things mm. in the world, not necessarily the fashion designer who's thinking about the perfect drape of something. Interesting. So, so I want to stick on this uh, on this notion because you've got a few iconic products. In fact, I'm wearing these. I don't know what you call these, but they're dress pants, sweatpants. Dress pants, sweatpants. So, since this is a podcast and you can't see, these pants are basically old school Rocky uh, Rocky Balboa sweats, but they are cut like slacks, like like really nice slacks. It's kind of a genius idea. So. Talk to us a little bit about, I'm just going to throw a few of these things out there. Sure. The Dress Pant Yoga Pants. Uh, dress Pant Yoga Pant has been our supreme phenomenon product. And it was funny because we, you know, I think a lot of businesses can go into things conceptually. All right, well, I'm going to create a platform and people are going to like it and they're going to make stuff. Well, for the first few years, only men cared about it. And it wasn't because that's all we targeted. It's just women didn't care. They didn't show up. They didn't want to get involved. And we kind of made this conscious last-ditch effort to say, I don't know, let's put out some products for women and we'll hopefully it works. And one of them was dress pant yoga pants. And it had that cuckoo web story quality to it where it took us only about three days to discover that that was going to be our biggest product ever. Hmm. The numbers were just bananas. And we knew that that would be the thing that we would grow to business. I mean, it went from, I mean, what? Our women's business went from like zero to $20 million in sales in two years. Wow. And that was just because of that product. All right. We're going to come back to that. How about <laughs> the disco ball sweatshirt? Why don't you describe that for us? Uh, so great story. Uh, it is a fabric that really makes you behave like a disco ball. Light scatters around <laughs> you when you wear it. And 
it was a fabric that uh, my old business partner discovered. And it was just like, we thought it was so dumb until we turned it into a pair of pants and we put it on. You're like, wait a second, I'm casting light all around me. Mm. And it was one of these great cinematic moments. The first pair came out of the sew shop in San Francisco, you know, at the end of the day and the magic hour light. And all of a sudden light is being cast around. And the woman who sewed it was complaining about how it, how it like burned her eyes. Oh my! God. So the long story short is that we made these things and thought it was funny and figured that, I don't know, some people might like these things. And the some people that liked them Burning Man people. They uh. they descended like Burning Man upon Beta Brand and demand I mean I'm the Phil Knight of Burning Man. Like I like I've never even been. And and apparently there's like thousands of units of Beta Brand stuff on the playa. Wow, amazing. Yeah. And then the last one, Vajamas. Vajamas. This is one of those funny things of like a dumb uh, kind of locker room joke that's gone too far and will never die. Uh, early on, same business partner, we decided to make jackets and they were reversible smoking jackets. And that was just a joke product. And I mean, Wait, Reversible smoking, meaning when you put them on, you stop smoking? No, well, I, I wish it were that way. Uh, then, then we'd really make a lot of money. Uh, this one is, it's just a jacket, but then it lined. And if you reverse it, it looks like you're wearing a smoking jacket. Great idea. Long story short, he found this very soft fabric and he put it in the pockets and he called them Vagisoft. Uh, and I thought it was pretty... Uh, puerile, but we created a big stupid science behind it of explaining how it indeed was the softest, second softest substance in the world. And there's the softometer and it's a good joke. Long story short, as we became a brand where more women bought something, mm. we kind of had these moments where we would allow them to vote it out, out of our brand and it has never gone. It's been a, a thing that has been embraced. And I always will tell the, the mainly female staff I'm having, you can kill it at any time. And it just persists. So, yes, I sell Vagisoft clothing. So what's interesting, though, about these three products that you just talked about is that it reminds me in, 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 in the best way possible. It's like the J. Peterman catalog, uh, you know, from, from Seinfeld. There's a oh, yeah. story behind each product. And then I, I like this notion that you talk about, which is it's not just an article of clothing, but it's experiential. Mm-hmm. There's an experience with Beta Brand, um, which I think, you know, that's part of your value, I think. Is that... Well, some of the to say? a figure of speech that I think is probably useful. I mean, again, uh, I can never tell these things to people in the ad business without them saying, yeah, we talk about that every day. But one of the things is that we try to make every article of clothing we have, quote, fashion forwardable, which is to say it's not even worth selling unless someone has tried to create the hook that makes it worthy of sharing with a friend. Because it's just it's not for the medium of the Internet then. So when you see these things about experiences, what I really hope is happening is, A, people are sharing them, and, B, people are picking up uh, talking points with each product so that in the event someone ever asks them about it, I'm feeding them lines. Yeah, well, I think fashion affordable <clears throat> is really a great thought because, as you said, you know, we're, we're living in this you know, attention economy. So how do I get your attention? Well, I'm going to tell you an interesting story. I'm going to tell you an interesting story about these pants. And what I've noticed, uh, you know, about your stuff is that, oh, there's like an interesting lining in the pocket. Oh, there's a funky color. I go, hey, what? And it's something that you can't see on the outside, but I know it's there, but I can tell you. Yeah. So it's almost like you're, you're, you're stitching word of mouth in the clothing. Very much so. Very smart. So 
what I want to talk to you a little bit about, because a lot of the listeners on the show, uh, they have ideas, but they don't know how to pitch. Mm. So uh, maybe you can tell us a little bit about some of your experiences pitching. I mean, you've raised, uh, our research showed uh, almost $30 million in mm-hmm. venture capital. So maybe, and I don't know if you've ever had to pitch uh, to uh, like a guy Kawasaki, or maybe tell us some, some, give us some pitch tips. Pitch stories that are interesting is, for one, the environment of the venture capital world is people who are all bright, interested, but are, are also being bombarded with pitches too, right? So part of the thing, to be fair, is that they have to look through so many decks. It's a very, you know, short attention span people. And their job is to create billion-dollar companies. That's it, right? That's what they're there for. And it's hard to get your head around, how am I going to convince people that this is a billion-dollar opportunity with a straight face? And that really requires time to understand, like, an industry well enough to do it. So the pitch tips, I would say, for one, you got to talk about what they want to hear, which is that. They know that the majority of the business that come in you could theoretically do that. They just want to see that you're, you have a nimble enough mind to talk around it. So what I always did when I talked to places just to say, well, here's the big idea. And if you break it down, you're going to get to the big number you want to see. But there are these premises that we have that we're making what we have. And I know that we will grow at a rate that is at least 2x a year because of them. Mm-hmm. And so I would, first of all, give the let's check off. Can this be a big thing? Can it disrupt an entire industry? And then How will this be interesting for you to be an investor in it? And I would sort of say, I can't say that that is the great Chris Lindland lesson as much as I would say, you got to talk about what they expect to see because that's why they're there in the first place. And then you need to tell them a story that makes them believe that that might be fun to do. So when you started, did you need funding on the first round? Well, I mean, when I first did it on my own, it was all on my own. Mm. And then when I had the ambition to turn it into a social network, yeah. I mean, there's no way you can... You can mom and pop your way into having a social network. There's engineering required, and that's that. And and what like what inspired you to make that leap? I mean, at a certain point, you were just like, wow, people really like this stuff? Or was there – like you called it ambition. I mean, what – Right. Well, I mean, I think obviously everyone who ever meets you is probably like, hey, I got a funny ad idea. Mm. Right? I mean, that's got to just be part of your life. They usually come up to me with like, hey, I got a funny idea for pants. Yeah, sure. So I'm going to send them your way now. But when I became the quarter rounds guy, I became a magnet for everyone that has that creative idea that they want to do. And I became, my inbox would just be filled. Hey, I got an idea, I got an idea. And I realized the problem that most people have in the fashion industry is they're amazing conceptually. Mm. They're great at making the article of clothing, but their their limitations start showing up when it comes to finances Mm -hmm. and production and marketing. And I had a background in most of that stuff. So I was like, it is too easy. There's there's all this content out there, much like I mean, YouTube created a way for people who are creative to not have to go through Hollywood or Madison Avenue right. to show that they're good. Don't right? tell them that they, that they still have to go through Madison There's Avenue. There's still one magical place on Madison <laughs> Avenue that you have to go through if you want to make it in your career. Excellent. Brought to you by this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's so true. So when you got uh, inundated with all these ideas, was this kind of uh, the inspiration behind, uh, what is it, Think Tank? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So maybe talk to us a little bit about Think Tank because this is, again, a beautiful idea. Sure. The uh, The Think Tank on our site is just, you know, a name for if you have a portfolio type concept, post it there, which is literally a fashion designer. They have them. A person who's just creative, they'll just write it to us. I always thought it'd be interesting, like a good example of a product we have, a famous DJ named Chris Holmes. I'm always photographed. I hate it. 
I want to have an entire jacket made out of retroflective fabric. So the stuff that you see on strips on like cops and firemen mm. and stuff like that to make a whole hoodie out of it. But the whole point was wasn't to be visible. It was to be invisible. Because when you take a photo with an iPhone, it actually sucks out all the light. So you can't see the face. Well, that's like an observation that only a DJ that he like opens for Paul McCartney, right? right? So he gets a lot of photos taken of him. And only a person who's in the limelight would ever have that observation. But for me, I see that. I'm like, oh, my God, that's like the greatest photo bombing joke, right? You get to wear this thing that's interesting, and then you get to ruin everyone's photos. That's an observation <laughs> that like would come to our think tank. And, and it was one of those things that shows up, and you're like, now everybody wants this thing. And, and for me, it's the magic of saying... I know I've got my own ideas, yet I'm quite confident that there are plenty of other people out there that have better ideas or more of them or different experiences that can make things. So Think Tank is that. It's just mm. this – it's it's posting concepts for greater conversation. And then the most popular ones, then we go to work in our prototype lab and make them as fast as we can. So, yeah. So let's, 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 let's stay there for a second. Yeah. So you get these good ideas. You see this, the, the story in them. You see – uh, the marketing of them. So I think there's another magic to your company, which is you prototype and then make. So maybe talk to us about the production process. Sure. So one of the uh, most important things that we built was the ability to actually have a, a sew shop that's designed for rapid prototype speed. And what that means is you and I can come up with a suit today and I can probably make one in a few days, like whatever the, your idea might be, mm. you know. And we knew we had to have that because if something could get real social currency, you could have thousands of people wanting it within days. And we don't want to miss the opportunity to, like, get those credit cards. So the trick is how do you make stuff as fast as you can? Good example of this being uh, Facebook's IPO was coming up. It was about three, four years ago. And we had started making those dress pants, sweatpants, and they're incredibly popular. And a woman who worked for me suggested, well, why don't we make hoodies out of suit cloth? And I'm like, uh, Facebook IPO, that's like three weeks Love from now. Uh, wait a second. I know how news organizations work. They're going to be telling the obituary writer what's the Facebook angle. They're going to be saying, what's the, what's the food angle on Facebook? And I was like, we'll be the fashion angle on the story. So we rapidly prototyped it and started selling them and sold thousands. And we became part of the news story because we were the fashion angle on things. And so for me, I said, we must build the ability to be the fashion industry's first responder to whatever's in the news. And so that that's that's the prototype capability we have. So uh, that I think is really fascinating, given the times we live in this very political times. So, for example, did did you do anything with like Ken Bone? I mean, was there like a Ken Bone red outfit, or you know? Those are things that are funny. Where we passed on that one, and it was sort of the like, I don't know if irony will generate revenue on this thing for longer than 24 hours. Let me just go yeah. out and I'll tell you my vast experience. Irony is confusion to most of the world. Yeah. <laughs> no, I know. That, that's like one of those ones where I think the T-shirt world is great for that yeah. stuff. Yeah. Like the T-shirt and mug world, they can go crazy on that thing and make that stuff quickly. A little bit more work for the Ken Bone sweater. But, I mean, uh, you know, we, we've got a president now who seems truly challenged uh, even though he's wearing five thousand uh, dollar, you know, Baroni suits, he just does not seem to be getting it. I, I don't know if there's an opportunity there, but maybe, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> now you've got something else called Model Citizen. Tell yes. us about Model Citizen. Well, uh, you know, one observation that I think every brand needs to make and needs to make uh, deeply is that every consumer that they have now has a production company sitting in their pocket that can present 
experiences of whatever you own and will all over the world all the time. And that's just the truth. iPhones are unbelievable and whatever the Galaxy or, or whoever it is that sponsors this show. We like iPhone. iPhone. Okay. You like iPhone. Well, okay. <laughs> iPhones are spectacular. No, but the, the thing that's incredible about it is that the world is being captured out there. And if you, you know, own a car company, you're crazy if you think that your photographers are, are going to get everything for you, that they're going to get the best shots. And so Mollicism for us is to say, first of all, user-generated content got to happen. We took it a step further, and this is one of the technologies that I first raised money on, was we said user-generated content must be the first image in the gallery hmm. for whoever's uploading it, not just for anyone to see, but for you and your friends to see. So no matter how bad the photo is of you, we want it to be the first in the gallery because it has that sort of holy crap moment when you share it with your friends. Like, what are you doing modeling for a clothing company? And you've got like a wandering eye and some stuff stuck in your teeth here. Why are you doing this? Why would the company be stupid enough to put that photo up? But we know that every photo that does that is getting like 20 unique views to it. So we know that that's a great way to have our customers show off our company. So you have ambassadors. Yeah, and, and, and then they're forced to explain what beta brand is to someone else versus us paying ad dollars for it. Mm, so again, that, like it's it's the Mollison is interesting because it's not user-generated content. It's quite literally putting the person who wants to invest it at the center of the, the web experience. So it's all, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's almost a case study film to do their thing, to yeah. do their idea. Pretty interesting. And then in terms of distribution uh, of your actual clothes, it's all internet? Uh, all internet. And no, so no brick and mortar for you? Well, I mean, we have a, a funny store at our headquarters. But it's really more a photo studio for people off the street to come get funny pictures in it because we collect more email addresses, and that's a better way to use a storefront, honestly, than just selling stuff. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> so now how about, like, let's say uh, for whatever reason, Ralph Lauren decided, you know what? We've got to, like, add some energy to this company. Right. We're going to buy Beta Brand. Right. I mean, have you been approached? Uh, is that a dream? Is that not a dream? Like, what's going to happen if someone big really wants to buy you? I would assume you know Ralph, and if he's going to open through this door and we're going to work this out today, it'd be great. Uh, here's the thing. Like, I know how they work in their design departments, and there is no doubt that what we're doing is going to be the way that bigger clothing companies do stuff because – they're not taking advantage of the talent that they have mm. at their own companies. Merchants aren't these, you know, buzzkills. Well, they kind of are for designers because they're doing is they're using historical data to make buying decisions. Mm. And so much beautiful stuff that can find audiences won't ever be seen to the world. So I have no doubt that what we're doing is going to be commonplace on a lot of big brands. And trust me, there's a lot of big brands that come talk to us about working on partnerships. And I love it because I always am impressed by the quality of the work inside the studios there that people just don't get to see. Uh, so it'd be cool. I mean, yeah. I would love to run the company at a bigger scale mm. because it's it's now we've sort of fought to earn those things. Like right. we put out high heels last week and sold about 2,000 in a week. So we're like, I'm now in the high heels business. You know, I love it uh, because now I can do shoes. And when you can do shoes, you can do basketball shoes. You can do running shoes. You can right. do anything. So that's the, so the answer is I hope it happens. 
because it'd be fun to see what that would be like. But it'd be amazing to take advantage of some of the capabilities yeah, that the these scale. big companies have. You know, listen, we've we've had the good fortune of working with H and M, and like this is an amazing, you know, an amazing company. And I think uh, I can imagine the collision of your creativity, their ability to uh, produce at scale with speed. Oh yeah. I mean that would be uh, that that would be just yeah. I've amazing. had the good fortune of talking to some, a number of folks in marketing there. They 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 came on the innovation tour to Beta Brand, and uh, no, it was it was really cool to talk to them. They they they're actually cool because one of the things that they did early on was they would actually use catalogs as a way to determine what demand should be on things, mm. and so they operated in a very similar matter, but with. Uh, physical catalogs. Well, this is what I think is, again, something very disruptive that you're doing. I mean, if the convention is we're going to look at existing data and then try to create from, as you say, from history, mm-hmm. that's the convention. Yeah. And it seems like what you're doing, which is super disruptive, is no, 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 we're going to hear from what people are dreaming about. You're kind of making people's dreams happen. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that that's the what, what really excites me again. Like, so let's let's hope we keep being good at what we're doing. I am. We're now starting to connect the consumers themselves. So you think about the way that social networks work. Our business for a long time has been, hey, Chris is going to be creative, and then you're going to consume it. And then we start getting good at saying, hey, Chris is pretty creative, but there's better people out there. Let's get them to talk about stuff. And so then it was always consumer talks to inventor. Now we're getting the consumers to talk to each other. And that's the thing that has really been exciting for me, like that, that I could do something funny, like be like, yeah, I'm going to buy that, and I'm going to block Rob from buying that. <laughs> Please don't. You know what I mean? Like, something like that. I think like those sorts of behaviors could be so interesting where actually there's this relationship between the consumers mm. and things that I don't know if companies are, are have yet to really figure out how to do that yet. You, you see it with like car clubs, right? Mm-hmm. That behavior could be turned into something bigger that I don't think people are ready – they don't know what to do with yet. So I'm – that's the area that we're investigating and I can't wait to do more of it. I think that's really cool. Now with the um, Oscars coming up. Yes. I mean th- this seems like an interesting opportunity. I mean, is, are there any actors out there? Uh, uh, is there anybody on the red carpet who's like, hey, you know, I'm going I'm to wear a beta brand, you know. Beta brand outfit, beta brand suit, beta brand dress, these heels. We, we've had, you know, so one of the fun things is that you, we have had a ton of famous people buy our stuff. And particularly that reflective thing, the anti-paparazzi right. thing was like, you know, the A-listers showed up for that one. You know, we've never had the opportunity to like create the amazing thing for that kind of experience. A woman that's here right now, she's uh, uh, our head designer is got a show in the big Macy. She's got a big red a red dress in the Macy show tonight. So mm. we're now starting to find our way into fashion's establishment. So I, I, I'm proud of that. Like, it was very cool that she gets to do it. But it's just interesting to be like, I can't believe I'm going to do that tonight. I can't believe I'm going to be watching a beta brand design thing walk down a, a significant runway. I think that would be really cool. <laughs> well, one other thing I wanted to talk to you about, too, in terms of disruption, your fashion company from – San Francisco. And is there something, I mean, you know, goes in gaps from there too. Sure. But is there uh, the provenance, is there something in the in the water in San Francisco that lets you be more creative, quirkier? Is there something Californian? Is there something in where you're from that is driving the thinking? Uh, and, yeah, that's an interesting question. I, th- I think that, you know, I grew up in Southern California and I, I know because I've had the good fortune of meeting a ton of people. You grow up, you either end up growing around a bunch of people where there's a sense of competitive creativity. That's mm. what your that's what your business is all about. And there was this sense, well, you got to go do something interesting. And San Francisco has that 
culture of like, well, you ought to try it. And the, I think the internet and the money that people have made with it have created this hyper culture of the entrepreneur hero who, you know, how, how are you, how could you conceive of living without trying to start your own company? And I think that's, it's sort of nonsense in some ways, but it is definitely a big part of the culture there. Hmm. And I don't know if it's California so much as it is very much, you know, LA is the same thing. I mean, it is an obsession to be not just, you know, in the industry, but a star. And I think maybe that's what's happening in hmm. San Francisco too. Interesting. Our, our last question, it's, it's advice again, you know, for our listeners who a lot of people, you know, they may have an inkling of, of an idea. They may want to start a business. I mean, uh, if you had to tell them one thing to do, like what should they do Monday? I think the thing that's really fun is to do anything, right? Like if you can figure out how to put on a good party, you can figure out how to take a crack at, you know, inventing something. And what I've enjoyed is so I've, you know, made TV shows, I've done technology companies, I've done fashion, I've done high heels now. And the thing that's funny, it's just common knowledge that you pick up along the way, which the big thing is just saying, okay, I'm going to do it now. And usually that decision is hard to make, but once done is irreversible. And it, it is that odd thing. And and I think, again, I think that that's why an agency exists because you get together these people that aren't afraid to say, all right, well, we've never made a pizza ad before, but then again, we're going to do it. And it won't be that hard. And we've never done anything in virtual reality, but then again, we'll do that let's, too. Let's try it. That's what I'm saying. And I, it really is that just decision to do something. So people who I think are needing to build up the confidence to do so, they should find smaller things that they author on their own. And that, like, again, if you can put on a good party, I think you can start a company. Excellent. Well, it was great to have you, Chris. Uh, you're, you're an inspiration to us, and Beta Brand is, uh, is just an incredible, incredible idea company. Really just amazing. So, Thank you very much. Thanks. Really great to meet you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you too. You too. <laughs> You've been listening to the Disruptor Series podcast brought to you by TBWA Shy Day New York. Craving more disruption? Visit us at tbwashyatny.tumblr.com. <laughs>